to a very special edition of BYOB. I'm Nola Nash. That That's Laura Kemp. Laura Kemp. And joining us today over here, we have the fantastic Hank Phillippe Ryan. And Hank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so impressed that you know how to do which way it is. If I said, if I was pointing to you, I'd go like that in one second. I cannot figure it. Whenever I point to my book, I go, look at my book. And then I go, no. And I can't, I can't learn it. My brain just fries. So very, very. I can't good. either. I'm always pointing the wrong way. <laughs> We've had some Brady. How do you look at the right person? I don't know. I know. Do we, get, we get lots of people on here. It gets really confusing. So I can do it with three. <laughs> I also still think like if I'm trying to look at something in Nola's room, if I get closer to the screen, I think I'll see it better. I do too. I feel the same way. I know, there's all this stuff behind me. My little office here. And I've changed. I've moved probably since the last time we've done one of these live. Not from because I moved right before Killer Nashville. Like literally the weekend before Killer Nashville. And um, so now I have my my lovely office and a, an actual space to do all of it. She had so, me for company. Uh, I did. After moving. I so, so appreciate that. So did you make popcorn and do each other's nails and put your hair in rollers and stuff like that? Thank you. Call but... boys. Call boys. <laughs> that would have been fun. We should have done that. We did call boys. <laughs> you did call boys. You called yeah, my husband. <laughs> I have no boy to call. <laughs> oh, well. Now, Hank, you were at Killer Nashville as well, and you were the keynote speaker. Yes. And that's, I mean, Killer Nashville is a big conference for yes. authors. I mean, it's, it's not VoucherCon yet, but it's, it's really grown an awful lot. And being a keynote speaker at a conference like that, you had a different experience than Laura and I did. And Laura and I were on a, a couple of panels, and, you know, we got to do our Killer, Nash our Killer Nashville live ish recordings of interviewing some authors for the show and we've been airing those but your experience you got to to do some things with the entire conference group or were what was it i mean how many authors were there it seemed like a few hundred you don't know i don't know but there were, it was a significant number of authors and a significant certainly number of people who were working on writing so there were all realms of of that um, and Charlie Donnelly and I, as co-guests of honor, we had not met each other before. Oh, really? Such a rock star. I mean, we became instant friends, and we're still in constant contact now Good. because of Killer Nashville. And I do think that's one of the things that happens, especially at Killer Nashville, is that these deep and lasting friendships are forged at that event. It's, you know, it's it's big, but it's small enough that you can have some real private time. Mm -hmm. People, the bar scene afterward is amazing and the lobby scene and you would see people, you know, clumping in halls together, new friends, um, people talking about writing in their lives. And there's just so much to share in a group where, I mean, it's called Killer Nashville, right? So, so where else in the world can you have groups of people in the hallway talking about how to kill people? And then that's fun, right? I mean, and we're like, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, so it's a very rarefied, special group. And that's why when Clay emailed me, I, if I remember, it was about two years ago, maybe more, when they asked me about being the keynote speaker. And if I remember correctly, I got an email that said something like Killer Nashville at the top. 
So I thought, oh, mm-hmm. well, I love Killer Nashville. I wonder what this is about. Maybe they want a donation or maybe they want me to come. And it was this invitation to be the keynote speaker. And I almost, um, I mean, I, I sat at this very computer sort of staring at the screen, thinking sort of me, you know, it was really quite a huge honor. And Nola, in response to your question, finally, a, a huge responsibility because when you talk about keynote speaker, I, I, I thought, what does keynote mean? What, what is that? And, you know, clearly it's the keynotes of, of the convention. And I thought, well, how am I supposed to know what those are until I get there and see what everybody's talking about? But again, it's the essence of who we are as writers and the essence of who we are as people and the essence of the, and I don't mean to be, you know, to sound highfalutin about this, but the essence of our writer journey, because no matter where, because there is this journey and we're all at different places along that path, but there are things that we have in common, kind of whether we know it or not. And that's sort of what I thought about um, when I was thinking about planning my keynote address is that we, you know, we write alone, but we're not alone. Mm -hmm. And there are things that we can learn from each other, no matter where we are on the path, that we learn that we share, that we learn that we have done this together. How many times, you all, have we been in a group where we've said something that happened to us and someone says, oh, yeah, that happened to me, too, or I feel just like that, or you have trouble with the middle as well, or you had doubts as well, you do? And this moment of connection, and that's what I wanted to talk about um, in the keynote speech, knowing that I'd be talking to readers and writers and established published authors and somebody who wants to be all of the above. And it needed to be relevant um, to everyone. So my title was the worst possible title. The title was everything, the top 10 things I learned about writing during the pandemic that I realized that I already knew. <laughs> I love that title though. That's a great the it title got my- describe what it, what it was it did? Um, because we, I mean, think about it. We've all been through, we all have been through this pandemic uh, together and we all learned something about each other and about ourselves and about our lives and about what's important and about how, how actually determined um, and obsessed we are with this writing world. You know, this is, this is, you know, the people of the, who are faint of heart gave up and and the rest of us did not. Mm -hmm. Yes. I found it really hard at first to write during the pandemic. I kind of thought that I was going to have all this time because I'm, you know, I'm a teacher and all of a sudden we went online or we, we ended a school year a month and a half early. And I thought, oh, good. Now I have all this time to sit and write. And I, I found myself just sort of distracted as much. Yeah. By, there was unstructured time is difficult yeah, to deal with, I, I think. I think so too. I, I get so into focusing the time and energy into certain places in my routine and it wasn't there. And I felt disconnected. I felt kind of unmoored. I felt, you know, what's going on in the world? Do I, should I be paying more attention to this and not doing so much writing? And it, it didn't come as easily as I thought. I'm going to get all these books written. I will have, you know, this whole catalog of things. In the, in the bag. And it for me. I loved the list that you gave because that did hit home. Because that, that feeling of being unmoored for a while 
was just for a while. And then those lessons, those, those 10 things really started to, to happen. And, and it made perfect sense when you started speaking. I was like, yeah, yeah. it was, it was this, it was very much that shared experience that you were talking about with all these people. Yeah. It hit and close to home in the heart, didn't it? It kind of hit close to the heart, especially about the doubts and feeling like, do I need to start over? Can I even finish this book? Mm-hmm. And and also, why are we doing this? Yeah. You, know, we, you know, as I said, you know, I, I thought I should be watching the news. I should be buying aluminum foil. I should be, you know, getting, you know stocking up on Tylenol. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I tell you all that the problem was the difference between having found time or being on vacation was that those, we're used to that. We're used to the structure, even of vacation. It's finite. Yes. You know, yes. you're not going to die if you walk out the door. Mm-hmm. You sort of know the physics of the universe and how things work and where you're safe and where you're not. And suddenly we didn't. Suddenly the entire rug was pulled out from underneath us. And regaining that equilibrium um, is hard enough. But regaining the equilibrium when we're doing something that requires our total focus and total imagination, and not only that, but our total confidence in yeah. what we're doing, which is hard enough anyway, when mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like, you know, the plague is outside ready to, to grab you. I mean, I, I, when I was a reporter in Atlanta a million years ago, I, I took, we, we flew in helicopters everywhere. And I loved it. And I loved being in the helicopter. And I loved the speed. And I loved the view. And I felt like um, how, remember in The Once and Future King, when Merlin took took Wart, King Arthur, uh, <laughs> flying through the air as a hawk. And he didn't, you know, he said that there are no boundaries and all those kinds of things. It's, so it was such a pivotal book for me. But the dangerous thing about being in a helicopter is that the power lines can get caught in the rotors if you get too close to them. And that is just the worst possible thing. And the power lines are way lower than the helicopter. You know, you, you just don't go near them. But I always felt like the power lines were coming up to get me. And that's how I felt about COVID a little bit too. That there were these tentacles that were coming to get me even when I was safe at home. So that's when I decided finally, I got through it and I thought, and I, I remember the moment that went through my mind wait a minute, it's always safe inside my manuscript. It's mm-hmm. always safe inside my manuscript. Mm-hmm. And it's always safe inside a book yeah. where you're solving someone else's problems, you're dealing with someone else's disasters. You just are care- taken away. I and mean, it's entertaining, it's compelling, it's page turning to read or write a book. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why we decided to do that, you all, We did, that I thought about that. Mm-hmm. You know, we decided to write things that are entertaining, that are enlightening, that are informative, that are consciousness raising, that are life changing. That didn't change in the pandemic. We just had to realize it again. Did you find it comforting to then work on your manuscript during yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, everything seems so scary. Did you? Did you, Nola? Did you, Laura? Did you get back into it? It was hard for me to be creative, mm. to um, because I was doing a lot of editing. I wasn't creating new material, mm. and I think it would have been maybe better for me to shelve all of that editing and then immerse immerse in a new world of the you know the first draft because I was doing a lot of editing so it wasn't as comforting as possibly a new manuscript mm-hmm. but when I was able to get to some new stuff yeah I did find it to be this is like you this is my little safe place yeah that I can kind of hide out in while the world is falling apart so 
Definitely. I mean, I, I considered myself lucky every day as well. Mm-hmm. My job was to be at home. Yeah. And thinking about all the people who were so grateful to who kept the world working and we didn't have to do that. You know, we just had to figure out how to get back to something we loved. And that made me feel, you know, sort of um, embarrassed for being cranky. <laughs> I'm good with this. <laughs> it's fine. My life hasn't really changed that much. I will tell you though, that some of the things that came out of that, like grocery delivery, is some of those are my new favorite things. Like I I don't shop in a store, but I don't have to anymore. And it has nothing to do with the pandemic anymore. It's just my groceries show up at my door. The same. Oh, Laura, you haven't done that? Haven't done it. Oh, and I just ran errands to get groceries ever. (laughs) You know, the people who do it, this is so crazy, but the people who do it really know what they're doing. You know, when I first started doing it, getting it, I thought, oh, you know, I, I don't, if I don't pick out the tomatoes, they're going to be bad. You know, what if they get the wrong kind of whatever it is? And they don't, they don't get the wrong, in my experience, they don't get the wrong kind of whatever it is. They're really, um, they have, it's, you know, you're just as proud of doing that as anybody's proud of doing anything. And unless I think all that my comforting to know. Unless you're your mother. My <laughs> mother's orders, I will tell you. <laughs> her first order, now it's, it, her order it's, it's become a running joke now. And I'm wondering if the people at Target and at Kroger just see the order coming in with her name on it and they go, let's see how and we can do this time. Because it's always something. But the first order should have told us how it was going to go from there on out with her. Because it was, you know, the pandemic, she was really excited because you could order toilet paper. Like it was available to order. She orders toilet paper. Her order gets delivered. There's no toilet paper, but there is kitty litter. Oh well, there your mother you does not have like that. this. You might like this, right? <laughs> like on Amazon. Apparently, we're gonna go with somebody. You know, probably got somebody else got her toilet paper. She got their kitty litter, and they're trying oh, to figure out what we're supposed to do with a cat and toilet paper. But you know, we kind of just looked at it as like that's pretty funny. As far as a, you know, they're both bathroom things, but every yeah. single order we we get really excited. We're like, what's going to go wrong now? Mm-hmm. I've never had that happen. Mine have always been great, like you said, but my mm-hmm. mother has a totally different experience. I'm going to have to try it. And then when we come back on in January, I'll have to tell you if my experience is like your mother's or like. Give us a full report. Give us a full report. Well, I'm on assignment. Okay. It's and then when we finally did, I do go back to the grocery now from time to time, all with masks and a little bit fearful, but the array of stuff now, you know, the colors of the produce and all of the things that are offered. I, you know, I have this new enjoyment of the bounty that we have. You know, I sort of had taken it all for granted for such a long time. Well, especially since there were shortages for so long, too. And we got really used to, like, the last time that we were in grocery stores was as all of that was getting started and, and there were empty shelves. And you just aisle after aisle of empty shelves. And, you know, oh, well, I remember when, on the first day of the pandemic on that on March 12, 2020, I was in West Palm Beach. And oh, thinking of everybody in Florida right now, certainly. I know. And um, there was a woman who was sitting next to me in the waiting room, waiting area, and she was on the phone to her husband in Boston. And her husband was at the grocery store, and they were FaceTiming. And he was just filling his his grocery cart with stuff and stuff and stuff. And he was pushing one and pulling one. And I thought, yikes you know should i be doing that i don't i don't i hope not but that was 
that was a real entree into that that mindset that mm -hmm. people got into. Mm -hmm. It was it was a crazy time, and so many people got creative in so many different ways, and it was it was interesting to watch people discover their creativity now that they had the time and whether it was art, whether it was baking, whether it was writing. It was fun to see all that stuff on Facebook, the projects that people yeah. were dialing into. What, were, what was, what was that? What's that sourdough? People sourdough. Were uh -huh. <laughs> exactly. Everyone had sourdough starter. Everybody yeah. did, but it was really interesting to see that. And it made me think, you know, once we kind of got over the initial fear, if we had the time, if we made time to kind of slow down and, and take out some of the things that we don't necessarily need in our lives that we think that we need, how creative could oh we be as people? And yeah. two things about that. One is, I have to tell you that I was so terrified, and just parenthetically, I was so terrified that um, I was using everything in the freezer that we had instead of just like leaving it there for 100 years. And I, I, I found hot dog buns because my grandsons eat hot dogs. They love them in the summer. There was no reason for us to have them. So I thought I should throw these away. And then I thought, no, don't throw away the hot dog ones. You might need them. Thought, what? So I, I made rosemary scented croutons out of the hot dog. Oh, they were stellar. They were that sounds wonderful. Yeah. I, cut, I chopped them in, I chopped them in squares toasted them, uh, basted them in olive oil and rosemary and rosemary olive oil and salt and pepper. I'm telling you, it was delicious. That sounds great. And I was very empowered. I was very empowered. Were your grandsons wondering where the hot dog buns were <laughs> when they came over? <laughs> Wait, we figured we could get more. And That's then, true. And, and the other thing could. was that how often my husband and I would go outside and just look at the stars or look at the moon or walk through our garden and look at the flowers. There was this, you know, we, we had a new love, a new, a new eye for where we lived and, and for the beauty of the world that we just had gotten used to and ignored. Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of came back. Did, you, did, did it happen to you two at all? Oh, absolutely. It got very beautiful. Beautiful places to walk around too, Laura. Yeah, I live in the country, so definitely we kind of live that way anyway. But mm -hmm. it was it was nice to not. I remember all of my kids' sporting events just came to a halt. Yep. We had track meets because it was spring, and and we just yeah went outside and started walking around and just taking a breath. And I was slightly relieved mm -hmm. to not have the pressure of the constant schedules and the running around. And and there are times when I kind of wish we could go back to that simplicity. You know, I wish to carry it inside of us a little bit from from that time because I really was, I think, more peaceful mm -hmm. during that time. So, yeah, definitely. I think so, too. And I think but it was it also is great that it's over now and that we can do yeah. things that come back together. Yeah. So it's finding that that balance, oh, yeah. remembering what we had and then adding it to what we have now, I mean, getting to see Laura in person, have her staying with me and getting to see you, Hank, in person and all of these wonderful authors and friends. And it was it was such a great experience that, you know, you realize how much you wondered if it was ever going to be able to, to happen again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we're doing it step by step. I'm still being really careful. But I do think that having those opportunities from time to time to, to really be with people who aren't in little black boxes on the screen, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, think about that. We got that, too. 
yep, we would, we would never have done this before like this. No, I know. A lot of really interesting things popped up, mm-hmm. but really it does make you appreciate when you can be in person too mm-hmm. and how, how important interpersonal relationships are just being yeah. in the same space with somebody. Yeah. Yep. And it was really interesting because Laura and I have known each other for four years and had never met in person. Oh, until Killer oh, Nashville. Till this Killer Nashville? Nashville? Yeah, never met. No, it was our first oh, time. No, that, I'm so surprised by that. I thought you <laughs> were best friends for, you know, since you were three. No. no. Oh, that's sweet. Though. I know. I mean, we she's my best friend time. now, but. <laughs> yeah, I know. I miss her. But, yeah, we had actually, we had been with the same publisher originally, and both of us have moved on since then, but we met through, through that, and we just immediately hit it off. We're very similar people, and we have been connecting through this type of thing, you know, and and just, you know, texts and messages or whatever, but we had never been together. I'm so sorry. And I know we're running out of time, but you take a minute, please, to tell us each of you when you saw each other for the first time in real life, what did you do? What was that moment? Where were you? We were in her um, parking lot because I just parked my minivan and gotten out of it. And I, I hugged her and I felt like we'd always been friends. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was seeing an old friend that maybe I hadn't seen in five, ten years. It was really surreal. It was like it was a familiar hug. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was not like, you know, hi, good to see. You know, it was just like, hey, I mean, it was such a moment. And you know, I remember that for a very long time because it did seem like we had known each other forever. And I mean, to to have somebody that you've only known digitally come and stay with you for a weekend. <laughs> it could have been really weird. It wasn't. I mean, it was just like having you know, a, a girlfriend you hadn't seen in a long time come and hang out yeah. with you and catching up on things. And we really did have a great time. And, and you can't put her on mute. You know, you can't put each other on mute. <laughs> mute, Nola. Nola. Like, go. <laughs> but it was, it was really, it was really great. And Killer Nashville was what brought us to the same place and so it will always be a special weekend and of course you know having you there as the keynote speaker we were so excited to get to see you in person yes the pandemic and doing these types of shows is how i met you hank the first time was actually doing one of these in a, a video podcast and i have met so many wonderful people doing that and it's a joy now to be able to go to those conferences and see those people in files they see in 3D. <laughs> that wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hank, we have really appreciated your time coming and visiting with us, your friendship, your mentorship, everything that you have given us and that you give to so many writers. You are truly one of the special ones out there and we are just privileged to know you. Make everybody feel so special. You're so good at that. So thank you. Oh my goodness, you bring tears to my eyes. And I'm I I adored being at Killer Nashville. I loved seeing you both. And my experience is enhanced even more than it was before by hearing the story of you two meeting each other for the first time. That is absolutely so thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for um 
for offering to come back in January. We're going to kick off the new year with Hank and her new releases coming out. We're going to talk more about that in January. So be looking for that because we're excited about that one. But we wanted to hear about Killer Nashville from the keynote speakers perspective as we are running all of our Killer Nashville specials over the last month, I guess. And we've still got a couple yeah, more to go. So got more to go. This was a really exciting kind of intermission to those recorded ones. So we're glad to be live again. And Hank, thank you so much for joining us. It has been truly, truly a pleasure. Well, my pleasure. You all love to you both. Oh, thank have you a great so anniversary. Oh, oh, yes, and happy anniversary. Absolutely. Thank you. 25th anniversary. Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for watching and for joining us. This has been a copywritten podcast of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.